0: The cozy's gonna try to get off. We have to keep guys out of our paint. Our defense has not been bad. It's been it's been okay. It's been at times it's been really good. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, welcome to episode one sixty-two. Today we have Coach Celeste Ratka. She's the head Varsity Girls basketball coach at Hortonville High School in Hortonville, Wisconsin. Coach Raka has just finished her fourth season at Hortonville. Celeste and her coaching staff have gone to the state tournament in each of their four years. The school's only appearance prior was in 1987. Last season, the Polar Bears were ranked number one in D2 for most of the season and finished the year with a 25-1 record. They were heading into the state tournament with the number one seed before the tournament was canceled. Her career coaching record at Hortonville is 84-21. and She attended Hortonville High School and graduated in 2006. After high school, she went on to play college basketball at Wisconsin Green Bay. In 2011, she helped the program have its most successful season in its history by earning a berth to Sweet 16 and finishing the year ranked 9th in the country. She also grabbed the Horizon League Co-Player of the Year and the Defensive Player of the Year that season while earning Honorable Mention All-American honors. After graduation, she played overseas for LKS, Lotz, Poland, and the Solna Vikings in Sweden. From 2012 to 2015, she served as a video coordinator at the University of Illinois. Yeah, this is going to be uh, just kind of a, a great podcast here. Um, I heard of uh, Coach Ratka through my good friend Mike DeBilbis, uh who's a great coach, uh, University of Illinois, Wisconsin-Green Bay, creator of the Buzz Defense. And um, uh, he really recommended me to uh, come and get Coach Ratka on the podcast. So I'm really excited to kind of pick her brain on What she's doing building her program, and also what is she doing to uh, work on the Buzz defense, which is a a defense created by uh, Coach DeBelvis. So I think you're really going to get some great ideas here. So stay tuned for Coach Ratko. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Good morning. Morning. Hey, Coach. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Good, good. Hey, we're the podcast. I appreciate you coming on early on uh, Friday morning. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I appreciate you having me. That was quite a surprise.
0: No, no, you were highly recommended. Uh, uh, I've spoken with Mike DeVelvis uh, quite a few times. Matter of fact, I had him on a couple podcasts and uh, we actually run his Buzz Defense. So he's kind of my guru oh. for that. So, um, okay. so um yeah you you came you came highly recommended you so he thinks very highly of you
1: oh well that's really nice i think very highly of him i've pretty much learned everything i know about the game from him so
0: that's great yeah he's such a um i mean when you talk to him you get so much wisdom and so forth i know i've spoken to him quite a few times and so forth so uh but he says hello i just wanted to share that with you
1: oh (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. We don't, you know, talk as much as we'd probably like, but texting here and there. So,
0: Absolutely. Um, Hey, kind of share a little bit about um, where you grew up and how you got started in sports. And I always ask people, this is, um, you know, how did you sports have an impact on what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah. Um, How did I start? Um, Well, I, come from a family of five. I have two older sisters uh, who started playing the game. Uh, My dad coached all of us growing up. Um, So basketball was kind of just part of our lives uh, every single day. And it started in the driveway. Um, It wasn't organized (laughs) right away. It was games in the driveway, shooting, uh, playing horse, playing one-on-one. And then it grew into you know, three on threes. And then finally, probably in fourth grade, it started to become more organized. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it started in the driveway, the love for the game and, you know, watching the games on TV. I mean, we all watched the last dance and, you know, growing up watching the Bulls that brought back a lot of memories as well and just fell in love with the game, fell in love with the competitive nature of it. Uh, I've been a very aggressive girl growing up, Um, (laughs) much to my mom's probably disliking. Uh, She got to hear people saying, wow, what's wrong with that girl? You know, she is way too aggressive. (laughs) And uh, I I think I stood out that way and it was a way for me to be accepted being that way. And it was okay. Um, So I think sports was just a really good outlet for me. Um, And I think it just kind of built and built my confidence and um, the more time I spent on it and invested in the game. So yeah, early on in the driveway, that's where it started.
0: Did you know early on that um, coaching was in your uh, future or is this something that just kind of came about? Because I'm always curious how, on how people become coaches. It's always mm-hmm. an interesting story.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I, kind of saw it in my future wasn't quite sure at what level um but I think my uh, the coaching that I got kind of fed into that um especially when I got to college um the program there at uh, Green Bay was very much player led um so you don't get to just play in the system you have to understand the system you have to teach the system um to the next group of kids coming in behind you teammates um, so I think that's where I really fell in love with the detail of the game and the fundamentals and how you teach it to somebody else. And um, I think that really sparked it. And then my understanding grew. I had great coaches like Coach Debilibus, um, Coach Ballant, helping me in, in growing my IQ of the game. Um, and then, you know, after my playing career was over, it kind of just felt like, now what? And there was that definite, you know, gap missing for me. Um, and, you know, I just needed to feed that competitive nature in me and to be a part of something bigger than myself. Um, so I think that's kind of how I got back into the game. I only had one year off where I wasn't on a team. Uh, and that was long enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and tell me, like, who was um... – Give me like a great mentor that really kind of led to, because you're building a great program there at Hortonville. From my research, um, you got, you're got you really doing a tremendous job. But where did you kind of build your philosophy from? I know we all have our own philosophy, but, you know, we also as coaches mm-hmm. steal a lot. Which coach mm-hmm. in particular really had an impact on your philosophy and what you're doing right now? Uh,
1: without a doubt, 100% coach devilbus Um He was an assistant coach um, at Green Bay when I was playing there. And um, I also coached with him at the University of Illinois. And just, man, that guy is unbelievable. Just so smart. I've never met a better teacher uh, of the game, to break it down so simply for everybody to understand. Um, He has... I, I would say we're very similar in how we're wired um, with, you know, very detail oriented, um, kind of tough minded, no nonsense kind of approach to the game. I think we connect in that way as well. So I was always as a player drawn to, to him and, and how he would get the most out of us as players. Um, you know, he went mince words and he would get after you. And I love that as a player. Um, so kind of built the same way, but I learned so much from him and, um, man, if I could, I bring him here and have him on my staff. I don't know how he would feel about coaching under me, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) I would love to coach, uh, again with coach D. Um, that would be an absolute dream. He's absolutely a mentor learned pretty much every single thing I know about the game uh, from him and how to get the most out of players, um, how to grow relationships with players as well. Um, He coached you as hard as anybody you'd ever see, but um, he took the time to get to know you um, and build that bond of trust um, before he would push you. So I have so much respect for him.
0: Yeah, those are powerful words, and I—I uh, I know Mike and I have spoken quite a few times, and he wants to get back in the coaching. I think I think there's going to be opportunities down the road for him, but mm-hmm. I keep telling him that now, even now, while he's not coaching, he's still having tremendous impact on coaches and kids. So I think mm-hmm. we all coaching. I mean, you—you you probably coach at home. You probably coach. We, we coach mm-hmm. more than one thing, don't don't we? And and he's all he's still mm-hmm. having an impact on people.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, and I love that he's coaching coaches. You know, I think that is really cool. Um, you know, Being the athletic director, that is such an impactful position, you know, because as a high school coach, you know, this like you have to have that bond with that AD. You got to know that they're with you and, um, you know, somebody with that knowledge to have in your back pocket and you in your support corner um, is everything.
0: Yeah, and I I did see that the school he's at right now is um is already put in the buzz defense, and I said, Mike, you got your imprint all over that. Come on, you're still coaching, man. So, um, but he, he always tells me, says, Coach, man, I I want to get back in. I got the itch, and I think he will because I think the game needs him. But I think um I think it's good now for him to reflect a little bit and so forth. So, but uh, he's he's been uh he's really been a good mentor for me. Hey, talk about your program there. And you talk about playing hard, playing smart, playing together. It really Mm -hmm. sounds like you built a positive culture right there in Hortonville.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, my alma mater. So I played here, you know, graduated in 2006 uh, at Hortonville, came back, um, and it has just been an awesome journey. You know, building it, they from the beginning. um, The challenges, I would say, were um, just taking it to the next level. Um, And I think, you know, you always get pushback with doing things a little different. Uh, But every year, um, it just gets stronger and stronger, and it's really rewarding to, you know, start from the beginning and now see you know, where we are and the players that we have in the program, the parents that we have, I can't say enough about the parents that we have in our program. Um, We are so, so blessed. Um, The coaches um, every, every year. I feel like I'm most proud is we're taking another step um, and building something really special.
0: Yeah. And and tell me how, because, you know, with the culture of a program, you got to fight for it every day. You have to do stuff every day. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Probably, I'm sure you're starting in your feeder program mm-hmm. and so forth. But what are you doing every day to kind of keep that culture going?
1: Yeah, I think you shrink your circle initially. Um, we really focused in on... You know, the people we had in the program, in the high school program. And, you know, obviously we're into the the feeder program and the youth, but I think you need to start small and you need to shrink your circle and get that tight and get that on point. Um, And then now we're in the process of, you know, expanding it now. Now we're reaching out to to the older grades and kind of implementing and bringing them in. Um, But I feel really good about where we're at. But you're absolutely right. It's an everyday grind where you can't let anything slip. Um, And you have to always have enough energy to confront everything, every little thing. Um, And I think that's what drives me is I don't want to let one stone be unturned. If I see somebody not, sprint to the water fountain to get a drink I need to confront that every single time Um, and it's exhausting it really is but I think we're starting to get to the point where our players are understanding that and our our assistant coaches are have been in it now for a while and so it's not just on you you know you're empowering everybody around you to confront those things and to protect the culture we always say we're protecting the culture Um, and We've got a bunch of kids that are, are bought in, are selling it. Um, they're not only buying it, they're selling it to everybody around them. And uh, it's really fun to do it together.
0: Right. And I guess, you know, cause I have a lot of coaches who listen to the podcast and so forth and all the coaches want to know, you know, how and why <laughs> these mm-hmm. things happen. Some coaches um, have a knack for doing it and a system And some don't, you just can't all of a sudden say, I want a great culture. You have to plan for it. Don't you coach?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you got to figure out the, the lines, (laughs) you know, where are the lines and you can't waver from, I think consistency is the most important thing. Um, Just because they don't have it right now. Doesn't mean they won't get there. I think a lot of times coaches lower the standards to make it easy for everybody in the program. When, you know, I've set the bar extremely high and you lose some people in that instant you do. Right. Um, and so, you know, it did take a hit on our numbers a little bit because not everybody wants to do it, you know, and it's not maybe for everyone or not, they're not willing to do it. Um, so, we're kind of at the point where initially, you know, we may have lost some people, but now we've got a really strong base and foundation. And now we're seeing those numbers, you know, coming up, uh, back to where they were because people want to be a part of it. What are they doing over there? You know, I want to be a part of it now, now that we've had, you know, some success here. Um, but yeah, you definitely have to be consistent and, really set the standard of what you're gonna accept and it it can't be anything but their absolute best so that's what we yeah
0: do. yeah for sure and and now you're being tested because the pandemic is kind of making mm-hmm. us adjust a little bit right because it's like if you're playing in a game you have to make adjustments uh, yeah what are you guys um i know we have a certain plan we have for our girls and so forth it's not a perfect plan but you know, mm-hmm. we have on a, uh, what we call the Get Better Challenge where, you know, they got to send videos of their workouts. And, you know, I have my players doing Zoom workouts. Oh, you know, I mean, a lot of teams are doing that. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now to stay connected with your players?
1: Um, I would say just reaching out to them. I'm, I'm shooting them <clears> text <throat> messages. I'm talking to them. Um, just staying active in their life and talking with them and seeing, you know, how are workouts going? How are, how's your family doing? You know, things like that. I'm extremely blessed. And I mean, we'll get into the dedication of our kids, but we have some dedicated basketball players. I'm extremely blessed. I had my point guard last year. She's the one that called me. uh, I think it was in April um, and just said, Hey, me and Lyric and Emma we just got a workout from our AU program. We're going to implement it for all the youth, all the JV kids, all the varsity kids. We're going to have a, you know, zoom meeting and we're going to hold each other accountable and we're going to do this and that. And I said, (laughs) do it. You know, that's the kind of kids that we have and they're just hungry. And um, it's just really special that we're, we're at this point where we're having these players that are leading, and you know, less is more. I think if you have those kids and you tell them do it and you can do it, they will surprise the hell out of you. They will surprise you and um, they love it. I think Cammy is a special kid and she wants to take the lead. She wants to, you know, be the leader of this team and she's definitely taking the initiative so I right now I'm just like stepping back because it's like hey this is your team and I tell them this all the time this is your story you're writing it what do you want it to say and the work that you're putting in now is gonna show up you know this fall when we get started so it's uh it's right now me just pressing buttons and 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 talking with them individually Um, and yeah that's I'm pretty
0: lucky, man. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great. And that's a side, that's a, that's a, and that's a reflection on what you're doing too. You're um you're allowing them to do that. That's not true with all programs. You're allowing them to uh, take ownership and make a lot of decisions for the team and so forth. So that's a, that's a credit to what you're doing. Um, Talk about what happened. You guys were in the state championship game and I, I've spoken to some great coaches like yourself, and and a lot of them were in the state championship games <laughs> and could not finish it. Is that what happened to you guys?
1: Well, we actually uh, they started like the Division three four um, games, so they played, uh, and then we were p- supposed to play the next day, um, and we were down to the final four teams actually, and okay. so we were set to play Oregon and. The morning of basically or late that night before they canceled it and so we never even got to step foot on the Mm. on the floor um so it was it was quite disappointing we had four seniors um that didn't really get the closure they wanted um and it, it was it was hard it was really hard you know we really felt like hey why can't we play we're here you know let's just do it but uh, I, I know these kids would have played without fans. They would have done whatever it took that didn't matter. They, they just wanted to play. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is and it's just going to be a line in, in the history books. And we're a big part of history.
0: Yeah. I, I, and unfortunately there's a lot of schools like yourself that ended that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's, it's a learning experience, right coach. And that's what we do as, as teachers of the game. Yeah. Um, is that, is that an edge for you this year a little bit, or is, is that forgotten? You're just going to start. Mm-hmm. again.
1: No, I think uh, we definitely kind of have this feeling like we've got unfinished business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, we really, you know, set the bar really high. Like we wanted to be the best. So we wanted to beat the best and, you know, we, we, Really, from the start of the summer, I mean, we got knocked out of the state, you know, semis two years, well, three years now, and two times to the same team that won three straight state championships in Beaver Dam. So, we wanted another shot at them. <clears throat> I <clears throat> I anticipate that they're going to be there again. So, we... We are definitely putting our, our target on them. They've set the standard in our division. So, you know, that'll be our motivation is to get our opportunity to compete for a state championship. Um, that's always been the goal. And um, I, I don't think there's any reason we need to change our goal. Um, so, yeah, it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I, it sounds like to me you guys will have a little <laughs> little edge <laughs> and so forth on that we all need we all need that little edge right? it's, it's almost like watching the um you know people talk about the michael jordan you're the last dance yeah. mm-hmm. i just think i just think your special coaches and teams create that that mental edge don't you think or is that is that a fallacy
1: no i think uh any coaches that can create that edge especially in a, in a season where you're playing a lot of games it's long um you've got to find a way to keep that edge and stay hungry. And, you know, you're dealing with high school kids too. Um, and I right. think sometimes they can lose <laughs> their focus or whatever. And I think a, a leader that can keep everybody focused on the task at hand um, and, you know, kind of what I mentioned, shrinking the circle, especially as it gets down to the end and everybody kind of wants a piece of you um, and just keeping that laser like focus. Um, I think that, Definitely
0: is an art. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think, um, I think that's the the kind of the the art of coaching. And I'm not, I don't know if everybody possesses that, but I think certain coaches just have a knack for it. I would think you would agree there. Um, yeah. Think about your defensive system. I, I always love talking about defense first because it's the hardest mm-hmm. thing to do. It takes a lot of effort and commitment. Um, mm-hmm. You guys run the buzz like Mike, or are you guys are more man to man. Tell me, but I'm hoping you run the buzz to talk to you, help me out a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do run the buzz. Um, <clears throat> we've uh, so last last year we had uh, probably the best team that you know in the history of Hortonville. We were you know veteran. We had kids that were in the program for four years, three years. You know we we had a very deep team. Um, so we played to our strengths. We were super athletic. Um, uh, we had Macy McLone running the five. And so she, you know, really took us to the next level. Um, but as far as defense, we, we ran quite a different amount of things because our kids could handle it and they were in the program for a while. So we ran the buzz. Uh, we ran it high, we ran it low. So when we say low buzz low, we ran it in, kind of like a two, three type format right. where we would kind of mix it up and change it up on a, on our opponents. Um, and then we also ran a, a pressure man to man system. Um, and we probably played everything about half, you know? So it, and it was kind of really fun as a coach because our kids were so locked in. We had um, a senior point guard and then Cammie who was a sophomore uh, running the point and they would trigger our our pressures. so we played full court um man-to-man defense where we're running and jumping and trapping and then we also ran our 2 one press back to our uh buzz high or buzz low um and it was so fun you know every dead ball I'd change it up on them and and the kids would communicate it and we practiced that all the time is that communication that echo yells we call it and they would uh get in and out of our stuff really really nice by the end of the year going into the state tournament we were we were clicking man we were clicking and everybody was on the same page and um it was really fun really fun
0: yeah talk to me about because i um i actually i'm speaking to another guy today called dan leo's coach Leozing. Uh, from Nebraska, and he's also a Mike DeVille was Buzz guy. Yeah, um, I know
1: Dan. <laughs> you
0: know Dan? Okay. Yeah, uh, from
1: uh, recruiting Shatrice and having Shatrice play uh, at Illinois. He was her coach, and I think we had a couple shooting stars kids.
0: <clears throat> yeah, she's running a great program. I'm really excited to kind of um, uh, uh, to talk to both of you, but um, I really want to kind of find out about your Buzz defense because what we, what we do <clears> – <throat> run two different defenses i i'm just i just believe that you try to be great at one um i would love to run multiple if i could but we yeah. run a 2-2-1 two, two, back into a high buzz as you would say and we are pressuring you know 24-7 i mean we're we're all yeah. over the court and so forth and um we are not blessed with a lot of quickness but our quickness and our athleticism is actually getting better so it's actually a perfect season to really kind of let it go. Tell me what you do with your um, your two two one and also your high buzz, what you call?
1: Yeah. So in our two two one, we I try to give the kids a lot of freedom. I don't want them thinking. I want them flying around. I want them anticipating um, and being proactive. Um, so I don't give them too much. Occasionally, you know, I will give them certain things that the team that we're going to run likes to do. And, and one of the things, and I'm sure coach Diaz said this to you, don't let them beat you the same way twice. A lot of right. times For teams sure. have a plan to beat you, you know, swing it to the guard, hit the cutter in the middle, and then throw it up to the sideline or whatever it is. Um, don't let them do that over and over again. So a lot of times, you know, once I see it and the first timeout is called, well, I'll sit down and ask the kids, well, how are they trying to beat you? And they'll tell me, and how, what are you going to do to counter that? What are you going to do to stop that? So <clears throat> I like to give them a lot of freedom. Um, we go hot. So a lot of times our first two guards are just going to attack the first pass that comes in, or we'll attack a certain player. If they only have one ball handler. we'll try and get it out of her hands. Um, so both those two front guards will trap and attack that first pass, and then the second line of defense, which we call our interceptors, they're, they're sprinting up. They're, they're making a play. So sometimes they'll sprint up and they'll steal that reversal pass or they'll steal that middle pass. We're really aggressive in that initial thing. Now, the way that we get away with a lot of this is our five player, the person that plays our you know back position, she's super smart. She's probably the best defensive player I've ever coached. Um, unbelievable athlete, uh, went to state in the 400 and multiple events, like just freak athlete. Um, So she's our last person back. And so she's really good at stealing that secondary pass or staying back if she can't get to it and then preventing a layup and forcing them into a quick shot. Um, But yeah, I think it starts with having that back person being super intelligent. And, and smart. Um, so that's kind of what we do um, with the two, 2 one I mean, we rarely had to play it cold where we just play it back and change pace. We were pretty much, you know, pedal to the metal all the time. Um, and we, you know, were able to do that. But we have in the past played it multiple ways where it, it's a straight up 2-3 where you're just trying to make them, force them into a multiple passes and Maybe they'll make right. a mistake thing, um, but for the most part, we we
0: went all out. So, yeah, and don't you like um, with the two two one kind of the combination? There is you can really kind of transition right into that that buzz defense. Pretty simple, right? Yeah. I mean that that's what we like about it. Um, the, the only weakness of our defense is we got little guards. So I wish I had some <laughs> bigger guards, but I have some some. People athletes on the backside side that, that are pretty good so i mean there's no perfect defense right well, Um,
1: one of the things <laughs> i was just gonna say one of the things we were kind of tossing around with is is that because we you know the first year we went to state we had two really small guards on top they had a six foot guard that they put on top and it hurt us big time they just threw over the top we were on, right you know college-sized court um So one of the things we toyed around with.
2: Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home. Of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado.
1: Is putting some of our bigger, like inverting it, inverting sure. it and putting the big guys, um, you know, we're lucky with, you know, a couple of big guys that are pretty athletic and can move their feet and stuff. but I kind of like that mix up of and then you got your little guys that are anticipating and able to steal those skip passes maybe a little bit quicker easier because um, I don't know there's something to that that I, I'm probably gonna look into as well putting the big guys up front.
0: yeah, I'm at, that's a great point coach and I appreciate the uh, the advice on that and but but don't you think the five man in the middle? And this is one area where um, we need a lot of work. And I have a big and she's a new kid for us, and she's six mm-hmm. foot one. She's she's not as um, she's not as confident because you know on the back line of that two two one, you have to yeah. be aggressive and you have to rotate together. So if you rotate mm-hmm. and go for that steal, uh, she hesitates and she's not as confident back there, and that. A lot of times that hurts us when we're extending <laughs> the defense out. I mean, you got to be confident and aggressive, and like you said, very
1: smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, trust. I would talk about trust, and I would also talk about. Um, I would put <clears> her <throat> in the trap. I would put her in the passing position. Have her get in trap hmm. by your two front guys, and, right. and try to throw the pass that you're trying to have her steal. And just show her how difficult that is to make and uh, that she has time, you know, I, I don't know. That might be an idea, but I get that. You know, they, they don't want to make a mistake. And I right, think right. you got to create an environment where it's safe. Okay. We gave up a layup. We, we'll live with that. We'll live with that, you know, and it's okay if we give up a layup because we're being aggressive, right? The only rules are you're not flying around. You're not being aggressive. Um, So, yeah, I would just encourage that there are no mistakes and it's okay. The only mistakes is you not trying. So, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And that's the art of coaching, right? (laughs) That's the art of coaching. And and you're right, does hesitate. And you know what we say about hesitation, particularly in basketball? Um, She doesn't want to make a mistake. She's very critical of herself. She's a perfectionist. And I know Mm -hmm. you've dealt with a lot of things like that, I'm sure. Yeah. So, we're, You just got to play it through, right? You just got to play it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just figuring out what makes that kid tick. And I think sometimes showing them on film, you know, showing them on film, not doing it. Because, I mean, we had uh, our really athletic five player. We had her in the interceptor position. And, man, she just, for the beginning of the season, she just was killing us in it. She was not being aggressive. She'd go halfway, and we ended up, you know, getting beat on it because (laughs) she didn't do anything. It's like, you're not doing anything. You're not taking away this pass and you're not, you know, maybe taking away the long pass either. So showing on film, I think, and just getting after her on it. Cause I just kept telling her, she was one of those kids where super competitive. um, You could coach her really hard. And I'd tell her, we can't press when you're in the game, you're a liability. And this kid is the best player on our team, you know? just unbelievable she's going to UW Milwaukee to play for them uh really good player and that just drove her nuts that just drove her nuts and then finally she just said okay I'll show you and she just started flying around and, and being an athlete and doing the things we needed her to do all year it just finally clicked um so yeah I think it just takes time it just takes time sometimes
0: yeah, for sure, and that's 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 where I think your really great coaches have a knack for doing that. And uh, sometimes it is I almost sometimes it is tough love. You, I mean, well, we have other players that can do this. So I mean, mm-hmm. even best player sometimes they have to sit. Are you one of those two? Because I I really believe that I think it doesn't matter for the best player. Um, you know, if you're not willing to kind of you know stand yeah. by or I mean, but that's those are always tough calls, right?
1: <laughs> yeah for sure and I, I think you know what are the your non-negotiables um for me it's the effort and the competing and the toughness if you're gonna play soft out there like i just i don't have any i have no patience for that and especially this year we had you know we went nine ten deep so it was right. like okay next next <laughs> so we were <laughs> up. we had the bench as a great motivator
0: Yeah. And and actually, Coach, this year we actually are, we have built up our program to actually, we're going to have eight or nine, which is, that's the coach's (laughs) best friend, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Especially if you have kids that like to follow like mine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Talk a little bit about your offensive system on that. I only have a few more questions for you because I know you're busy this morning. Um, Yeah. Are you, um, are you, it sounds like to me you would be an aggressive coach where you're attacking the rim, driving kick, or are you more of a patient style?
1: Well, um, this year, we we kind of play, I like to play to our mm-hmm. players' strengths. And this year, we put in um, Bulldog offense, which is Mark Few's um, offense that he ran a couple years ago when he had Sabonis and uh, Kyle, Kyle Wilcher, I think his name was. But they okay, were really, sure. really good. It's the, Continuity ball screen offense, um, and our kids played it really well. Now, first we we were off to the races. We wanted to score in ten seconds or less. So we had Carolina Break, um, Sil- uh, Sylvia, Sylvia Hatchell's um, Carolina Break. We put our own little twist on it, um, but <laughs> we wanted to score quickly. Um, throwing the advanced pass, throwing the one to five, down, running down the middle of the floor, um, attacking, and then. You know, if we didn't score in that first 10 seconds, we would sprint in, set that ball screen, and then um, <clears throat> get it rotated quickly. Um, so we worked. This year was really fun for me as a coach because I got to do something new and different. You know, I've always been taught motion. I ran motion as a player, um, uh, like five five out or four out, one in. Um, so it was really fun to... Kind of evolve with this. Um, our assistant coaches did a great job, you know, doing their research and bringing this up. Um, I actually coach with my dad. So he's my assistant coach and he brought this <laughs> awesome. uh, offense up to <laughs> yeah. me. So it was really fun to kind of grow and um, teach the ball screen, how to use the ball screen, um, different reads. And our players loved it. They got so much better as we went and it really fit our kids. Um, we have, you know, like I mentioned, a dominant post player, and everybody's lifted above the upline. Everybody's lifted, so it's really hard to double, um, especially if you have kids that can shoot the basketball, which we did. Um, so it put a lot of pressure on on teams um, to kind of pick their poison. Um, so uh, it fit us really well, and we really didn't. We had a secondary offense five out, but we didn't run that particularly well, and. Luckily, we didn't really need it too much this year um, with the way that we scored in transition and um, the the Bulldog system worked really, really well for us. So, And I loved how many counters there were. You know, if you want to play ball screens this way, this is what we're going to do. And so there was always kind of an adjustment that you could make to what a defense was doing.
0: I, I tell you what's, what's funny about that is we're actually adding in... Um, we're at, uh, the ball screen offense. We call it, we're going to call it zags, actually. Um, oh,
1: awesome.
0: Yeah, and we're. It's funny you say that because we've been a dribble drive team where we're hard driving, kicking, mm-hmm. shoot a lot of threes. Um, we're actually trying to, you know, we pass the ball into the low posts and make our cuts there. Um, <clears throat> but we're actually going to that. So, hey, I'm picking your brain now on. <clears throat> Well, we haven't run a lot of ball screens, but I have one great guard that is going to play at the next level. and We always set a lot of screens for her, but we're not mm-hmm. setting a lot of screens for the other girls. So kind of give us a little bit of, of strength and weaknesses of it. And, you know, just talk, just talk about the offense more a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, I would say a lot of times people – try to stop you from rotating the basketball. They don't let the post player come up and swing the basketball. Okay. Um, So one of the, the counters you can make on this, um, is keeping that player low, uh, and just having, um, you know, the post player stay low and just chase that side of it. So you have more space for that guard to come off that screen. I'm not sure if that makes sense or not. Um, but you start in a four-high set and typically right. you know, throw the ball to a side, um, and then that post chases it, and then right. the opposite post will pop high. Right. Instead of doing that, you keep both of the post players low. So that post player goes and sets the ball screen, rim runs, and then now this guard has tons of space to drive it since they're not letting you swing it. And then if the ball swings to that other guard, then that post player on the same side will chase it um, and chase it and set the ball screen. So you can run it that way as well. Um, one of the other things you can do um, that, you know, we had problems with is if they start sagging, you know, and downing. We saw a ton of downing on the ball screen where the post defender was just sagging in the paint uh, and will not right. let you turn it. So one of the things I would recommend is your kids getting really good at that little floater, that little mid-range floater. Um, That was money for us. We had, you know, we worked on that all summer um, and it really showed our kids were able to score at multiple levels. Uh, One of the things we need to improve on is our guards being tougher and being able to draw contact and getting to the rim and not always relying on that little floater too. But um, that was something that, I think we, you know, really, really did well with. It um, was tough to guard. Uh, how are your post players at shooting the ball? Are they pretty skilled?
0: Or- actually, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm going to have, um, I have one post player. <laughs> I'd be lying to you if I said I had more. I have, I, I mm-hmm. have my six, my big girl, six foot. She is actually better on shooting facing up than she is with her back to the basket. I know that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. Pretty- She plays more like a guard. So I found out later in the season that we're better off. um, Have her come out to the perimeter, either a pick and pop or a pick and roll. Mm -hmm. It's more comfortable. I mean, she's a good athlete, Um, but you put her in the low post, She's very hesitant on her post moves, which probably Mm -hmm. work with her more, but you got to take the strengths of your players, right?
1: Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think we're going to be more in that, that, you know same boat this year too um so i think you know slipping and, and fade kind of action off the ball screen coming back and attacking the closeout um i think is going to be really awesome i don't know if you have any big guards that can post up but you know that might trigger a, a big guard to flash in and and catch it and post up in that scenario if they hit the pick or the pick and pop um, but yeah, I'm going to have some fun kind of fiddling around with that and seeing if there's any, you know, things that we can do on that pick and pop action. Because last year when we ran the pick and pop and threw it to the post player behind us, it would automatically trigger that opposite post to flash into the post and, and post up. And we got right. that a ton. That person was just falling asleep, kind of locking in on the reversal pass. Um and you know we we got that one a bunch um so yeah I I'm happy that another person's going to be running this it's it's always (laughs) awesome to talk basketball with somebody else that you know how are you dealing with this or that so um and dribble drive I mean dribble drive is something that we're looking at as well so I'm always uh open to talking about that because I it's been a while we ran it you know our first year at Illinois but uh, it's been a while, so uh, I'm sure you're kind of versed on double gaps. and Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you kind of t- I, – I know you are supposed to be interviewing me, but you talked about uh, cutting off, you know, getting the post-touch and then cutting off of it. Can you explain that to me a little bit?
0: Well, what, <clears throat> what
1: we
0: – yeah, what we like to do is on our four-out, we – well, this is just my own personal belief is that actually, when we're cutting a lot, that definitely opens up the gaps. Cause I'll be honest with you, at our single A level, there's not a lot of really strong defensive teams as far as um, technique wise and so forth. Um, there's a lot of good athletes though. But um, when you, when we pass the ball into the posts, we just run a hard cut right into the paint. So we, we don't, we just don't stay. We cut hard. So we're okay. looking for a little, a little drop off pass and so forth. Um, we get a lot of that, that action because kids forget they can't guard that cut very yeah. well, particularly if they were pressuring the ball. So mm-hmm. plus they're double teaming our big girl a lot. So it opens up the dry, um, the passing lanes and so forth. So, mm-hmm. uh, so and we'll do some different types of things. We might do a, you know, what we call maybe a Laker cut, we might screen away and that girl might cut through. And we, we do some different stuff mm-hmm. um, because we're trying to get the ball inside. But my best player is actually, uh, she's a guard. We're And I, I love what you said was, I might use her as a screener more, right?
1: Mm-hmm. In, in
0: the offense to so get her, I think she would get open more because she's getting double teamed quite a bit too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We threw our, in our, you know, we threw our guards inside a few times too. So you have, you know, like a guard running the four spot and setting ball screens and picking and popping. And, you know, that's a great way to get them the basketball and to put pressure on the defense, especially if you have like them locking in on somebody, you know, we had a few times people were, locking in on our point guard, not letting her catch it. Uh, we threw her inside and now you're a screener. So, and that really messed with teams as well. So yeah, I like, I like it. You can run it with bigs. You can run it with, you know, a smaller team as well. Um, it's just, you're going to find different ways to, to get to the scoring actions that you want to get to, but you can definitely achieve that with, you know, multiple different skill sets.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the inside coach, and I'll I'll be sending you, if you don't. Mind, I'll be sending you some tape for the season. Well, hopefully we play number mm-hmm. one. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but I'll be sending you some tape. I want you to really analyze it. Um, but uh, what I love about the the ball screen, and I haven't used a lot of it, so it's going to be kind of new. Is I love the def- you force the defense to make tough decisions, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think the things that we struggled with initially with running ball screens is our guards weren't catching it wide enough so you got to make sure that you catch it wide enough so you've got (laughs) some space um and then the other thing they weren't doing they weren't waiting for the screen so it wasn't clean um right right we weren't making good contact um you know and then once we started catching it wide and waiting for the screen we got a lot better um a lot better at you know, coming off those screens and then just having an attack mentality. I think a lot of times, you know, you want them to reverse the basketball and there's a balance to that because you want to get that ball movement, but you need to come off that thing looking to score um, and putting a threat on on the defense. Otherwise, they're going to be able to lock in and then you can't swing it anyways. So, and I think ending your dribble, facing the basket, looking at the basket, being a threat, then the next pass will become available.
0: Yeah, and I, I do find that one of the hardest skills, and we really work on this, is getting the kids to turn the corner. And I don't know if it's just the girls' basketball, but girls have a tendency to widen out on their drive rather than going right off the hip, right, of that defender and being aggressive. Is it the mm-hmm. same at your level?
1: Yeah, I think certain kids have it, and certain kids you've got to spend a little bit more time with that, you know, approach. Uh, But getting downhill, I think a lot of times putting a chair when you're doing your drill work, putting a chair where they got to get in between, um, I think that helps them. And I think staying low, I think a lot of times they go wide because they're really easy to push wide because they're standing straight up and down. I think getting down low, getting, you know, the center of your gravity lower than your defender um, is a big part to being able to turn
0: that corner tighter yeah that makes a lot of sense Uh, and let's kind of continue on my last question is practice planning and what do you do because I know that the key to building a great program is is player development let's let's not fool ourselves I mean Mm -hmm. I know you're doing a great job with developing players kind of give us an idea of your practices how you run it and what are you doing to develop such skilled players
1: Um, As far as practice planning, I am very meticulous and I schedule everything down to the second. I make the teams so we have it and we're not wasting time, you know, picking partners. I want, I, I organize all of that. So, you know, I probably spend quite a bit of time on practice plans um, just so we can be really efficient and getting in and out of things really quick. Um, I don't teach a ton of drills, I would say. I like a bunch, like a few number of drills that teach everything. So, you know, we played a big, you know, up and down game, full court game. So, a lot of our drills were full court. And even some of the half court stuff that we would do, we would always convert and score on the other end if we got a turnover or something like that. So, we're always getting to the next thing, always thinking about the next transition. Um, So, I like, a lot of that where it's not just, okay, we're sitting in a half corset. set. It's always the next thing. And I think that really helped our kids keep playing, never stop playing. And it also trained them to, okay, what's my next, you know, job. What's the next transition. I'm going from offense to defense. Now, what am I doing? Um, and right. I think that really helped train our kids mentally. Um, but it, big on the fundamentals. I think it, we don't have a practice where we don't do something as far as fundamentals we play a lot of cutthroat um, I actually I don't know if you've ever played you know half court three on three cutthroat where you're yeah
0: you know, have absolutely. pressure
1: workups and you're taking them out <clears> if <throat> they don't do this or that we started sure. doing that in the full court and we started adding pressing the team that came out of bounds if your team scored the team that was coming out of bounds they're locking in and and locating people and trying to press and keep the basketball from coming in bounds and then you're transitioning down the other way if you score it now you're back on defense so we changed it into a full court um drill and we still did pressure workup. so we still are playing fast we're still playing aggressive but we're not losing the fundamentals Um, and so I'm still calling them out for not passing with their feet on the floor. I'm still calling them out for making crossbody passes. Um, I'm still calling defense out if they're not talking. So I love chaos. I love chaotic drills. I love, you know, where the kids have to figure it out and, um, and talk it through. And I love just competition. Everything is competitive. If you don't win, you're, you're going to run, you know, and, I just love that, the pace of that and the chaos that that creates so the kids get comfortable in it because um, that's what we're trying to create is make it harder than a game, try and simulate that kind of pressure. So when it happens in the game, the kids, you know, the kids can handle it and they've been there before and we'll bring it up in timeouts, you know, in stressful situations. Hey, we've prepared for this. You know, we, we know what this is about. We just got to do what we do and execute. So I think that the kids find a lot of comfort in that is that they've been pushed, they've done the work. And I think that brings them confidence in tight games that brings them confidence when game time happens. Um, so we always say, you know, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training, like the Navy SEALs slogan, <laughs> um, and sure. the kids really embrace that. <clears throat>
0: That's great. I was just going to mention on that. uh, Sometimes the best practices are your ugliest, right? I mean, (laughs) yeah, where things are not working out and I know it's hard for us coaches, but right. Isn't that isn't that how you feel about that?
1: Yeah. And I always try and twist those practices into a positive. Um, And I think that's a lot of coaches don't always see that. But I think, you know, you have to try and find a positive positive regardless of, hey, maybe we weren't our best today, but guess what? You know, we still fought through. You know, how did we respond when we didn't, you know, do this or that, right? You know, this is this is part of the game. You're not going to always be perfect. It's how you respond. And that's kind of what we always come back to is what was your response? So, yeah,
0: you know. I, I totally agree. How do you get your best five? And, and And I know a lot of coaches do it differently. I like to put my best five playing together. And then what I mm-hmm. do is I'll mix it up as well. But then I'll put constraints on them where my mm-hmm. practice, my second team will be like up by 12 or 14 and or whatever. I make it as difficult as possible. And then I also mix up the teams as well. But don't mm-hmm. you want your, your top six, seven, eight players playing together for most of the practice, right?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm more of, I want the best players playing against the best players. So most of the time we split our teams up evenly. Now we were super blessed last year with, you know, having a really deep team. So, I mean, we had 10 players that could really push each other. So we split up evenly. Now, day before the game, we would put, you know, our top five and then we would rotate, you know, our six, seven, eight into it as we went um but then we would put restraints on them we'd make it really difficult we'd throw another defender in there we'd you know do those kind of things as well but i i want i want my kids competing against somebody that's going to push them um right. so i try to divide them up as evenly as possible for most of the drills we do so but i yeah, can, see the, well. <laughs> I can <laughs> see the other way as well i can see the other way as well
0: yeah. And there's a lot of schools that don't have, they're not, I don't think they have that luxury. Um, and I think you just got to take what you have and, but yep. you have to make it competitive. You can't allow those five players just to dominate because they get nothing out of that. So I think you, there's other yeah. ways to do it, but uh, yep. Hey, you're very fortunate coach, man. I I, I envy that.
1: <laughs> I'm very, very blessed. I will, you know, I will tell you over and over again, we have some of the best kids and parents that you can ask for and I think (laughs) we we set the culture really um early and you know we lost a lot of people but I think we lost the right people and we you know our circle was tight and I think the kids really embraced being part of it it's special to be a part of um and I think they just they love being a part of something bigger than themselves I think girls especially they they want to be a part of a team. They really do. And when you have the parents on board saying all the right things to them and encouraging that side of them, you know, it's, 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 you can have something really special. And I just feel really lucky.
0: Yeah. And uh, I feel lucky for talking with you today because you really shared a lot of great stuff. Uh, I love to get inside what the great programs are doing and so forth. I think a lot of coaches, are gonna get a lot out of this coach. So I appreciate you joining me. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Cause a lot of my coaches will be contacting you to kind of pick your brain.
1: Um, I would say probably email. Uh, you have my email. I'm not sure if you can post that somewhere. But I will. It's, I will. Radka at hasd.org.
0: Great. And do you have a Twitter account and so forth that you use?
1: Um, We do have a, I don't personally have one that I've been using. Our program has one, Hortonville Lady Pride. Um, But yeah, I've I've definitely kind of off the map a little bit with the Twitter. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) That's all right. That's not, that's not a problem at all. Um, Yeah. Nobody's like our president. Our president overuses (laughs) Twitter, but that's another (laughs) issue. But, We'll yeah. leave that one alone. Yeah. Um, but, Coach, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your sharing, and uh, I wish you the best. Sounds like you're going to come back next year with uh, competing for a state championship. So thanks again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thanks.
0: All right. Take care.
2: Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hilligas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal, is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision Podcast to never stop learning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast.